What would your life look like if you felt confident in your body and in your health habits? We believe that confidence is possible for all people. This is the Free Method Podcast, and I'm your host, Dylan Murphy, registered dietitian and owner of Free Method Nutrition. We are dedicated to empowering women to make peace with food, heal their relationship with their body, and create sustainable health habits. Come hang with us each week as we have conversations that will inspire you to live a life of freedom. Let's dive into today's show. Brooke, welcome to Free Method Podcast. I am very excited to have you here. We were talking a little bit before we hit record. Yeah, just how much I'm looking forward to this conversation, you sharing some of your story with our listeners. Yes. And uh, thank you so much, Dylan, for having me. This is kind of my full circle moment of the first time somebody's come after me to be on their podcast. So Mm -hmm. I'm like super stoked for that. And, um, and I won't, I won't disappoint your audience audience because this is my passion. This is what I Mm. do. And, um, I think I have a unique perspective that needs to be Yes, I absolutely agree. And I told you before we hit record, I found you from um, two of my friends' podcasts with the actual fork. And I think I literally was like still in the middle of listening to it, but I was like, I need Brooke on my show. Like I'm reaching out to her now. Um, so I'm so excited for this conversation. Um, yeah, I would love just for you to take as little, as long as you want to kind of dive into some of your story. Um, because yeah, I think a lot of our, um, listeners will relate in, you know, one or multiple ways to your story. Okay. So (laughs) I'm going to hit the ground running because that's what I do now. (laughs) I literally can't run anymore, by the way, I Mm. am a, um, so I am an eating disorder and running addiction survivor. Um, I, my eating disorder kind of tendencies started Mm -hmm. when I was probably 14, 15 years old, starting Mm -hmm. out high school. And, um, I have, I have two kind of theories on eating disorders. I was the perfect storm. I Mm -hmm. definitely think that eating disorders are both, um, a nature and nurture component. Mm -hmm. Like there is a there is a, just a click inside of some of us that have totally. these addictive tendencies. We have mm-hmm. these genes that are, you know, I, I don't pretend to be a neuroscientist, but I understand <laughs> yeah. the brain. Like there's just some people that are just predisposed for this type mm-hmm. of addictive behaviors, anxiety, yeah. depression, and Lord, I have, I had all the boxes checked. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I was about 15, 16 years old, I started, um, feeling really ashamed of my love and my like, and in my enjoyment of food, I was in a family and I still am in a family where, you know, they're not big eaters, like food was not the centerpiece of when we would get together and hang out. It was actually kind of the anti-hero of the situation. The food was the side note that we all kind of like to avoid or talk about agnosium one or the other. And it was just, I grew up with food being a centerpiece, but not 
um, a positive one in my family. It was basically we we lived or we ate to live. We didn't live to eat. And I felt like the black sheep because I loved food and I was really um, trying to navigate what I witnessed and what I saw around me, not only in my house, but society. I mean, let's face it, I'm 38 years old, um, grew up in the early 2000s when, you know, this this heroin diet culture, this like, you know, heroin chic was first or not first introduced was introduced again because everything's reoccurrence and now it's coming up again. And I'm like, great. Yeah. So like seriously. all the more reason to have these conversations and for totally. to step up and say, um, no, this is, this is dangerous. So I got pulled into the danger of the societal views and also, you know, my surroundings. Um, I have family members that have suffered from eating disorders. Um, I truly believe that any type of vice that we use to numb out um, any sort of feeling is a learned behavior. We we see these things happen around us and then we we adopt them as our domestication of how we deal with our problems. And I adopted that I was going to control my body. That's how I was going to control my surroundings. I was going to control my body. And not only did I have a lot of people in my family that were kind of cultivating that, but also Mm -hmm. I ended up with a boy that Mm -hmm. was a bodybuilder and Mm -hmm. had a lot of opinions on what went into his body and how he treated his body, which then were, you know, by his own 16 year old, like not understanding what he was doing. You pushed those on me. I adopted them as my own truths. And I was in a, just a downfall, a spiral of self-hatred and, um, and also rules and expectations. I remember the first time that I went to see a dietitian. Um, remember I said this started when I was 15. The first time I saw a dietitian was when I was 31 years old and they asked me to sit down and write down my food rules. Like, what are, what are your rules? And I was so embarrassed when I sat down there and I had to ask for more paper. I was Mm -hmm. like, um, this isn't enough. I, I, I have so many. And she said, don't even finish. She's like, what is this like? She's like, look at the, the parameters that you are allowing yourself to exist in. She's like, that must be exhausting. And I'd never heard anybody say it that way. I was always praised for, oh, look at you. You're a runner. You eat clean. You do this, you do that. And, um, and it was it it was validating, but also like confusing to hear mm, yeah. somebody say, like, are are you exhausted? Like, cause you should be, because this is not normal. This is not, excuse me, not normal. This is not how your wise mind, your healthy mind wants. Totally. Like yes. these when you paint yourself into these parameters of these rules 
you are just taking away your freedom um, to experience anything and everything. Um, And unfortunately, I had to go through ups and downs of um, throughout high school and throughout college. And then in my early marriage years, um, I did what I like to call, I was a playing a whack-a-mole game with my eating disorder so you know you go to the the little Chuck E. Cheese for all my mamas out there and they have the little things that pop up and you have to whack it with one hammer and then the other one pops up and you whack that one with that hammer that's how I visioned my eating disorder because I was diagnosed with anorexia nervosa with purging tendencies with my um at the time, my main purging tendency was running. And so I would either overexercise, um, I would restrict my food, or I had bulimia tendencies as well. And it's just when one was getting exposed, when I was getting careless with being too outward with one of my behaviors, I would knock that one down and let another one pop up. That way I was always dipping and dodging all my friends and family and loved ones. And it was just a deceitful game of just risking my my life. Um, So I, I, think the best thing that I did for myself was, um, was start going to counseling. And I started doing this at like age 21. I, I, I realized very soon. And I wonder if you as a dietitian see this often, I needed that love and care and, um, support from a professional that had zero to do with my family. And I got that and it was almost like a drug. Mm -hmm. Then I wanted to impress my Mm -hmm. dietitian. Then I wanted to impress my, um, my counselor. And it was like, was sitting here playing this people pleasing game of pat me on the back. I'm doing so Mm -hmm. good. And the whole time I was being so deceitful. And I was telling my dietitian, oh yes, I'm eating these exchanges. Oh yes, I'm, I'm not exercising. I didn't run today. I didn't do this. And I was a fraud. I was lying and I was getting nowhere with my health. And yet I was sitting here claiming to be okay. And I was just digging myself deeper into a hole. Yeah. So I was again, 31. My mm. son, I have two children. I was um, disordered all through um, both my pregnancies. And this is how and why I believe in a higher being because mm. there's no way, shape or form that my body should have sustained two healthy pregnancies. Yeah. Um, I didn't even have a period. And, wow. and I got pregnant twice. So my body was that depleted, but that's how I know these kids are meant to be mine. And and I'm going to fight like hell to give them the Mm -hmm. life they deserve because they're meant to be here. And I don't Mm. ever want them to, (laughs) to 
to have a relationship with their body and food in the same manner that I struggled with my entire adolescence and, and adult, like early adulthood. So I had, at the time, I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. They were both in, um, they were both in daycare. I'm a school teacher and um, I was running. I would take them early to daycare. This is, I mean, this is awful to admit and it hurts and um, <laughs> try not to get emotional with it, but um, I would take them early to daycare so I could have two hours to run before work. And then I would leave them there until I had two or three hours to run after work. And I was foregoing being with my children to, to, to feed that need and want and that desperation that my body was feeling to get rid of the negative energy that, that was building up. And I had no idea what to do with. That's where my eating disorder manifested, like from anxiety and learned behaviors. Like I just wanted to not feel anything. So I was um, picking up my kids from daycare one day and old good old Mr. Lloyd, um, he was their principal. He was the daycare owner. Um, Love him, love their family and really respected them. And I went to pick up Graham and Anna one day and he asked me to come into his office and being a teacher, I'm like, Oh crap. Like, I'm in the <laughs> what have I done? I was like, Oh no. Yeah. Like, I don't trouble. And I was thinking it was something that the kids had done little silly things, you know, yeah. that we get these calls about. And all of a sudden he said, I wanted to ask you if you're okay. Mm-hmm. And wow. I looked at him and I was kind of shocked and I was like, me? Yeah, I'm fine. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And he started talking about my son's behavior in the lunchroom and the snack time, like anytime there was extras, cupcakes, when there was parents that brought in treats or if a snack got changed, they were supposed to have one thing and they ended up running out and they had to have another. He was like, your son, Graham, cannot handle it. He has breakdowns. He has such anxiety centered around food and snack time. He said, Brooke, like, do you have any idea? idea where this is coming from. Mm. And I just burst into tears. This is the first time it ever came out of my mouth. I said, I have a problem. Mm -hmm. And my son is learning Mm -hmm. those behaviors from me. Mm -hmm. And this poor man, he was just so kind. And he was Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're worth it. You need, and I'm sitting here Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, like, did I just say that out loud? Did Mm -hmm. I just admit that? Like, this is my problem. Mm. And I remember going to my dietitian that day and I'd already been in the dietitian at this point. I knew there was a problem, but I was still trying to like weasel my way out of it. Like I'd always done play the way. And all of a sudden my dietitian, Regina Saxton, she looked me Mm. dead in my eyes and she, I said, I'm pissed. I Mm. said, she said, you're angry. Why? Like, that's not like (laughs) you. I said, I'm pissed. And she said, why? I said, because I'm sitting here with you. I was like, mm-hmm. if my mom's mom, if her mom's, if my dad's mom, if yeah. all these women 
surrounding me, teaching me how to love myself and teaching me how to, to view the world and myself in it. If they had dealt with their crap, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. And she said, say that again. I said, if they had dealt with their crap, I wouldn't be here. And she said, do you want your kids to say the same thing about you? And I was like, oh, no. And she said, said, okay, so what are you going to do about it? She said, Mm. all this lying, all this, you know, skirting around the truth, all trying to weasel out of meal plans, trying to to run without telling anybody, like waking up in the middle of the night to exercise. She's like, what is it for? It's going to bleed into your entire life, your children's life, your husband's life. You are going to self-sabotage. And I was at the point, unfortunately, I was at a very, very unhealthy state with my heart because I was running so much and I was not fueling my body properly. Mm-hmm. My resting heart rate was at 33 beats per minute, mm-hmm. which is half of what yeah. the lower end of a normal heart rate should be yeah. at rest. Mm-hmm. So I had a bunch stacked up against me. Um, mm-hmm. I know you and I spoke earlier too. Um, often you interview dietitians and you have people mm-hmm. on here that are within the kind of um, eating disorder community that have taken a step back and dove in full force because we believe in it to help. Totally. But at the same time, there's so many people out there that are listening to somebody that that's their job. And they're saying, well, easy for you. Just like easy for me, I can write an essay because I teach kids to do it 24 seven, you know, but at the same time, I understand the need to hear it from a real human being, not somebody famous, not somebody that's doing this for a living, not somebody that is able to put their self just aside and focus all on, you know, the helping of others, the creating portion of it. I am a mom. I have a now beautifully healthy 11-year-old boy who has no more food anxiety because of my work. I have a daughter that is nine, that is confident as hell and so awesome because she's a mom that models that daily. I'm a teacher. I'm a wife. I've been married for, um, gosh, 14 years this year, um, together, together 15. And we have been through hell, the mm-hmm. Dante's Inferno, Inferno nine layers. Mm-hmm. We have been there. Yeah. And a lot of it is because of my battle with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. We were in this, this trio of a relationship. It was me, my husband and mm-hmm. Ed and yeah. whoever was loudest that day was going to win. And 90% of the time it was going to be Ed. And so I had a lot to um, recover for. And I think that's also something that is very hard. I was talking to a friend um, that they have a child going through addiction and going through how, how do we help this person? And I said, you know, you have to figure out your why, like why you want to recover and you have to do it long enough to then understand that you deserve it 
yourself, regardless of what those outer reasons are for, that at some point you are going to choose the recovered life daily, minutely, moment by moment. And then at some point you're going to sit back and say, damn, this is, this life is so much better. It's so much more fulfilling. It's so much more enjoyable. I can, I can breathe. I can move. I can, uh, I can be a human and not have to be bombarded by just negative thoughts and feelings and energy all the time. So I got, I went through recovery. Um, I always like to tell this to people because I think it's interesting. I went in at 31. I went to a hospitalization program called the Carolina house in Durham, North Carolina. Love them. Amazing program. Mm -hmm. Um, Those girls were my, still are my ride or die. Unfortunately, you know, I can look, I've three out of the 16 girls that I went to treatment with are no longer with us. And, and that's a stark reality to this disease that people are like, Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Like it's just, just keep eat a hamburger, you know, stop, stop eating the hamburger or exercise a little don't exercise. It's, I always tell people that it is such a simple concept that is not easy, especially when your inner self and your fight or flight, like just natural animal instinct within you is telling you you're drowning and that any behavior will, will be that life that life support that you need. And really it's, I I wrote an article one time for recovery warriors where I compared it to a parachute. I thought my eating disorder was my life vest. It was my parachute. I put it on and then I could go out into the world and I had this safety net that if I got anxious, overwhelmed, overstimulated, or if I broke some sort of rule that I had for myself, I always had it in my back pocket. I could just pull the ripcord. And I realized that that metaphor, that analogy is so dumb because my eating disorder is the damn foot that's kicking me out the plane before I even have Mm, (laughs) any vest on. It is the thing that is taking away my safety. It is the thing that is taking away my confidence. It's the thing that's taking away all those things that to be a functional human being in the world, I can't be fogged and bogged down with. Totally. So I went to Caroline house. I was there for eight weeks. Um, I got to what the insurance company um, deemed as a weight restorative weight, which is, I, we could go down a whole that. Oh yeah. I can't <laughs> we could have another episode on that. But I, I went down and I, and I, I did the program. I stepped down to a PHP program to where I was going five or six days a week, eight hours a day, <laughs> and basically just sleeping at home and going back to treatment, sleeping at home and going back to treatment, which was hard. When you're in a hospitalization program, you are in the safety bubble of just rainbows and sunshines and positivity and, and support. And then when you leave that, it's like, 
I always say the world is not meant for eating disorder recovery. Yeah. Like it's not so true. You have to, you have to fuel your body every few hours for your body to function and you can't just give it up. Ironically. And for any of my exercise over exercise people out there that might be listening, um, giving up running was so easy after the initial rip off the bandaid. I, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I can like sleep. <laughs> I can sleep in. Oh my gosh. I can like, I, yeah. I can walk. I, yeah. I remember the first time I went out on a walk instead of a run mm. and I'm a cat person, y'all. I love cats. I stopped yeah. and pet a cat. And I remember I took a <laughs> picture of it and I still have it in my phone. Uh, Cause I'm like, wow. that is a significant moment. Like mm. to where I went from, I would yeah. literally I, I would have run past a dying puppy like before because I was so disordered. Whereas now I'm like, Oh, I get to stop and smell the flowers literally. And, um, it's so much better. So that aspect wasn't hard. The best aspect of treatment was being given permission to eat and sit and, and, nourish my body that that was a plus not a <laughs> a flaw that i needed food you know like society likes to yeah. make it which is stupid and along with that mm-hmm. we humans that yeah. were like i always thought i was the exception like everybody else needs to eat everybody else needs to balance and rest their body everybody else needs to not worry about the 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 superficial aspects of A, B, and C, but me, no, I have to worry. Like I'm the exception. And somebody looked me in the eyes at treatment and told me, you're not special. And I wanted to punch him out. I was like, I've been trying my whole life to tell everybody I'm special. And I'm like, now I'm like, well, you know what? That's not what that means. I am a valued human being because I'm the one and only Brooke Heverling on this planet that has my own gifts, my own insights, my own just joy for the world. I'm special in that aspect, but I'm not special. And I'm, I'm biologically built like every other human being. I have to have balanced nutrition Mm -hmm. for this body to function properly. And Mm -hmm. if I don't nourish Mm -hmm. it, then I'm not going to get to show the world how special I am because I'm not going to Gosh, I listening to say all this. I'm like five years from now, you're going to be like all over the news. And I'm like, You'll be the first one. That, I'm like, seriously, I'm so like, I'm literally yes. sending you a whole gift because you're like my uh, first person. Oh my I'm gosh. So excited. Uh, I, I mean, just ever, I was like taking little notes because I was like, I want to make sure to bring this up. So, I mean, everything that you shared. Ever people need to hear that because yeah, you, you talked about it where, you know, I can sit here all day and say things from my perspective as a dietitian, you know, my lived experience with disordered eating and over exercise and all of that. But I think hearing it from someone who's just a normal person on the street just hits so much differently. Um, yeah. And one thing that I was thinking through, cause when you're talking about, I use analogies a lot with clients, um, the, the analogy of the safety net, um, or the parachute. One thing that comes to mind, one thing I tell clients all the time is your eating disorder does a good job of keeping you safe in a way that you think you need. Right. And kind of like you said, it's like, 
I thought it was keeping me safe, but in reality it wasn't um, because it can kind of become this like survival mechanism, whether it's trauma or, you know, just disordered eating in your family or whatever it may be. But then I think you realize in a picture that kind of came to mind for me is like, if someone is on a parachute, um, you know, maybe the eating disorder is keeping you safe, but it's taking you Uh, to the destination that you don't need to be going to. So it's like, maybe I need to like jump out a different way. Maybe I need to use a different parachute. Um, It's like, it's not leading you to this like safe, stable ground that you think it is. Um, It's, it's keeping you, I say, I tell clients a lot and I don't know where I'm like, I don't think I came up with this. I think someone else said it, but you know, your eating disorder keeps you safe, but it also keeps you sick. And so then you kind of stay in that pattern of, yeah, I have to keep running. I have to keep eating less. I have to, you know, all these different things. Um, it becomes this all consuming thing and they're so manipulative. Like, cause even thinking about who you are as a person, I'm sure you're like, I'm not the type of mom that's just going to leave my kids at daycare for two extra hours that they don't need to be there. But it's like, when you have this all consuming voice, that's like, you don't have an option. You have to go run and then you can go pick up your kids. But I think what's hard is just, people out in the world don't understand yeah. that. They're like, well, just run less, like just run a little bit less or like, that's great. Like you should be running. Good job. Like eating disorders are so normalized and so praised. And yet they're one of the most deadly mental illnesses that and we deal you with. You said it. It's like, we, we praise this level of health that we see. Um, and even in, in the, just the celebrity world right now, these people that are you know, that we're teaching us how to love our big voluptuous bodies are now teaching us to like how to shrink down using insulin to do so, like taking like medical supplies from people that actually need it for our selfish vanity of like losing a few pounds. You know, it's funny. I will, I will challenge anyone. And this is, sorry, I get passionate about this anybody anybody that that is so concerned about that those those numbers when you stand on a scale you're alone and nobody that is worth any part of having your soul is going to base your worth on those numbers not a doctor not a spouse, not a friend, not a child, not anything. And that's where we as a, as a world have to get away from this, this cookie cutter thinking and look around, like we are all different and thank God, because it's a word called preference. We have all different preferences in the world. And I swear to goodness, anybody that tries to put me in a box or put someone else in a box, it's just like, if, um, let me ask you, Dylan, what's your favorite Pop-Tart flavor? Oh my gosh. The brown sugar cinnamon ones. That's terrible. That's the worst one. Why yeah. would you pick that one? Yeah. I'm sorry. How does you enjoy the, the cinnamon sugar Pop-Tart? affect my life negatively why do i have to say anything right i like strawberry toasted with butter mm-hmm. we could both bring them together and share like yeah. it, it, why does it have to be one way or the other you know and i got out of this this broken mindset of that we all have to be the same 
and my life just got so much bigger and so much more joyful. I then went from PHP to the IOP program at um, at Mana Treatment Center in um, in Gwinnett, Georgia, which is an amazing place. Love Jeannie, still a huge supporter of them. But um, it took me eight months of literally stepping away from my life to save it. And I was the first one. I'm a teacher. We were at that point. My husband was a teacher, too. We were a two teacher income household. You can look up our salaries. Zero. (laughs) Not enough money to sustain going to eating disorder treatment. And we had to take out a $50,000 loan just to pay for my treatment. And I'll never forget my father-in-law looking me in the eyes. And we we're not even that close. I was just like embarrassed, like, hey, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to treatment. Your your mm. son married a winner. Like, um, and of course, he looked me in my soul and he said, You are worth your life is worth eight months. Your life is worth fifty thousand dollars. Your life is worth way more than that. Whatever you need to do, you take that break, you step back. And I had such beautiful support from my school, from my students, from my husband and my friend. Um, and I know I'm a very privileged and blessed in that standpoint, but I did not come from a place of privilege for the money and the time to, to take, to work for it. And I did. And I would tell anybody it's the best thing I've ever done in my life because I am here. And not only that, my children have a mom and my children have a somebody that they can look up to um somebody that they can model after that i can lay my head down at night and be proud of because there was so long when i was steering them down the wrong path and yes that was the path that i had learned but at some point we all have to stop take responsibility and understand that everything that has come to my life mm-hmm. up to this point, I can't help, mm-hmm. but how I move forward, that's a hundred percent for me. Yes. Yes. And yeah. Possible. And it's taking agency. Mm-hmm. It's possible. And I think that's where, um, so I am a, a, a newfound bestselling author who would have yes. known. Um, and I I saw a need for the book that I Mm -hmm. created. I wrote the book, Protecting Your Peace. Mm -hmm. It is a nonfiction. Mm -hmm. um, No, excuse me. It is a fiction Mm -hmm. um, story about a main character that goes through, basically, um, she recovers from an eating disorder. She has a tough spot come up in her marriage, which we all do in oh, yeah. every way, shape, or form at any totally. time. If you are in a, um, if you're in a committed relationship, yeah. you're going to have bumps in the road. Yeah, and off so often um, when people that have suffered from addiction or eating mm-hmm. disorders of that any any type of disorder, they will mm-hmm. often fall back on those old habits, even when they have learned that they don't serve them well anymore because Mm -hmm. it's comfortable. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's known. It's like where it's how, you know, Mm -hmm. like that you're safe because you bring in that Mm -hmm. parachute that was going to 
totally you know, keep you afloat. But um, so when I was searching, when I was told you mm-hmm. need to go to treatment, mm-hmm. I was on the hunt. I was looking up podcasts. Recovery Warriors was a big player at that time. I was I was listening to everything Jessica Flint had to say. I was consuming all the the information out there, but I I kept reading books and they were they were all memoirs. Again, kind of like you said, you know, they were they were firsthand accounts of people that were not like me that took the time to uh to recover. And uh, I told myself, I've always wanted to be a writer. Um, I was an English major. I've taught writing to ninth graders for 15 years now. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a book that I needed. Um, and I also wanted to write a book that caregivers needed as well. Because there's so many aspects of an eating disorder that even before the person, uh, any addiction, eating disorder, any type of mental illness, before that person is even ready to admit to themselves, there are people around them that know that they need help, that something's going on, you know, that, and, and the biggest question I've gotten ever since I've been open with my recovery online um, is how, how'd you do it? And and then also, how do I help my blind do it too? Like my daughter, my son, my my wife, my partner. It didn't matter. People from all walks of life were just begging me, how do I help them? And I wrote Protecting Her Peace as a, as a different type of tool, not a memoir, not a nonfiction, but as a character that that is lovable, that is broken, that is, um, that is in the fight for her life for years and years and years. It's not, not just this moment in time, this is build up of years. And, um, and I wrote it, I put it out there and, um, my brother-in-law, Brad Kolowich, he told me that Anything that you put out into the world where you are trying to better yourself and better others is mm-hmm. going to succeed. Totally. And lo and behold, a little small town teacher from Podunk, Georgia is now um, yeah. a selling author. Uh, because people need that story. And I think a lot of the work um, that I often do with clients and this, you may have done this some in your own recovery journey is really working to kind of like disconnect the eating disorder from like who you are as a human being. And I feel like that story can be so powerful because it's different than being like, Hey, Hey, here, go read this book on eating disorders where it's like, yeah. inadvertently talking about it, but it's, yeah, there's some like separation that I think this is like, if any of my clients are listening, they're going to hear me all the time recommending this book now. I'm like, go read this. Let's talk about it. <laughs> no, I'm I'm serious. And the book, yes, the book is for, it, it shows the struggle, but it shows the triumphs along mm, the way yeah. too. And it shows the, the, it shows how that it is possible. And no matter how far gone you are, that, that you can find that, peace inside of you that you have been searching for 
It's not out here. It's within. And if you really Mm -hmm. fight until you get that, then Mm -hmm. you're never, you're never going to lose the battle because Mm -hmm. you're always going to be willing to wage a war for your peace. Like I I am not going to lose this battle. Mm -hmm. And Yes, I have slip ups. I've had slip ups since 2016. I have not been perfect. I've gone back into, um, into counseling even, but Mm -hmm. you know what? I have not lost because I'm still here. I'm still fighting. And one more point I want to make about the book. I think the best compliment I have gotten from the book is, um, somebody that has suffered in an eating disorder reached out to me and said, this is the first book I've ever read that didn't make me want to use a behavior. Wow. And I was like, I was like, that is all I prayed Mm -hmm. for because I did. I sat and prayed over this and prayed over it. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't want this to hurt people. I don't yeah. want it to glorify these mm-hmm. actions and this, this chosen direction that I went in my life. Totally. Um, I want it to glorify choosing differently because mm. anyone can. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important because yeah, sometimes certain books can be more triggering than, than helpful. Yeah. Um, gosh, I could talk about this for like, ever. You should um, have me I, back again when yes. I have a charger and I'm not going to oh, Yes, I know. When we can just talk forever. Just let people know where they can find your book. And then even outside of that, just where, yeah, people can learn more about you. Okay. So if you want to connect with me, learn more about me, um, I am active, very active on social media, both um, Instagram, Facebook, also, I dabble in TikTok. Um, I'm like a yes. geriatric <laughs> millennial that's trying to be funny sometimes, uh-huh. but um, <laughs> totally. But I'm on TikTok, <laughs> and uh, I have a ton, a ton of work on recoveryworks.com. I worked for Jessica for um, three years after I got out of recovery to help pay off my bills and also. Um, to help give back to the community that I love so much. So it was a, it was definitely a way I was their social media director and their main contributors. So you can look at all my articles on there and I would love for you to buy my book, protecting her peace. It is on Amazon. It's on Kindle and it is on Barnes and Noble. Um, if and uh, just so you know, I'm this small time right now. If you send me, you buy my book and you send me your address, I will send you a book plate. I will sign it. I'll send you a sticker. I'm like all about getting this out there and be connecting with the people that do read this. So please feel free to reach out. I I mean it's it's so rewarding for me, and it also is it helps people understand that they're not alone and. And that's a, that's a major heavy feeling in uh, the disordered life. Well, yeah. Thank you so much, Brooke, for sharing your story, um, for your just vulnerability and, and sharing that and for writing this book. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see, I feel like this is like, it sounds so cheesy, but only the beginning. I'm just excited to see where this book, where your story, where your experience takes you. 
Thanks so much for joining today's episode on the free method podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review that helps others discover this message of freedom. Share this with your friends and make sure you tag us on Instagram at free method nutrition. And if you're ready to start your own journey to freedom, I'd love to offer you a free call to chat with me about your health goals. Head to freemethodnutrition.com slash free call to schedule yours. We will see you in the next episode.